0: No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible.
1: Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Darryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Job complains that his friends show him no pity and everyone has forsaken him, but he knows that his Redeemer lives. It's Job's moment of triumph over all his trials. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Job chapter 19 on Simply the Bible. Job now answers his friend
0: Bildad, who had given Job a sharp description of hell, where he was convinced Job was heading. We continue in Job chapter 19. Then Job answered and said, How long will you torment my soul and break me in pieces with words? These ten times you have reproached me. You are not ashamed that you have wronged me. And if I indeed have erred, my error remains with me. If indeed you exalt yourselves against me and plead my disgrace against me, know then that God has wronged me and has surrounded me with his net. Whoever said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, lied. Job was shattered by the words of his friends, which were accusing, relentless, and crushing. Job's friends heaped these upon Job after he had already suffered the loss of everything. Each of their words was a dagger through his soul. They should have been brought to shame over their treatment of their friend, but they felt no shame. Instead, they had exalted themselves against Job, taking courage from the fact that they weren't suffering. Each one climbed up into the judge's seat, from which he hurled down his charges upon poor Job. But if Job had sinned, then weren't his sins his own? Wouldn't he have to bear the consequences of them? Job's friends continually made the point that God rewards the righteous and punishes the wicked. Job's troubles were evidence that God was punishing him. Job says, in effect, if God only punishes the wicked, then God has wronged me, for my actions don't deserve this treatment. Have you ever felt that God has wronged you? Have you ever asked, why is this happening to me? Have there ever been miserable circumstances in your life that you haven't understood? Then you know something of what Job felt but no one has felt it to the degree that Job felt it. He remains our consummate example for the unanswerable why. Today, many people may be asking this as they deal with the effects of the coronavirus. Perhaps they weep over the sudden death of their loved one and say, why has this happened? Why have you allowed this, God? Why me? Why now? Know that In these present hours of darkness there may be no certain answers, just as there were no certain answers for Job. The why question reverberates throughout history and usually is followed by deafening silence. If I cry out concerning wrong, I am not heard. If I cry aloud, there is no justice. He has fenced up my way so that I cannot pass, and He has set darkness in my paths. He has stripped me of my glory and taken the crown from my head. He breaks me down on every side, and I am gone. My hope, He has uprooted like a tree. He has kindled His wrath against me and he counts me as one of his enemies. His troops come together and build up their road against me. They encamp all around my tent. Job lists seven miseries he has suffered that convince him that God counts him as his enemy. First, like a whistleblower before a corrupt government, Job was crying out against injustice, but no one was listening. Earlier, Satan said that God had placed a hedge around Job so that he couldn't attack him. But now Job says that God has fenced him in so that he can't go anywhere. He's in a dark dungeon of pain and despondency. Third, Job was stripped of his glory and crown. Earlier, we're told that he was one of the greatest men of the East, renowned for his wealth and wisdom, but now he sits on the ground in the midst of ashes. Fourth, Job pictures his life like a fortified city whose walls had been broken down. He was demoralized and vulnerable to attack on every side. Fifth, Job's hope has been uprooted like a tree. There's no chance of him ever enjoying health or prosperity again. Sixth, Job can only conclude that God has become his enemy. This is the greatest pain Job faces. As long as he believed that God was his friend, he could endure much hardship and not lose hope. But now the thought that the one in whom he has trusted has become his enemy crushes Job to the core. Seventh, Job envisions God's troops laying siege against him like an army besieging a fortified city, building up a ramp to scale the walls. But all the troops of heaven are encamped against Job's little tent. Isn't this overkill? Verse 13, He has removed my brothers far from me, and my acquaintances are completely estranged from me. My relatives have failed, and my close friends have forgotten me. Those who dwell in my house and my maidservants count me as a stranger, and I am an alien in their sight. I call my servant, but he gives no answer. I beg him with my mouth. My breath is offensive to my wife, and I am repulsive to the children of my own body. Even young children despise me, I arise and they speak against me, all my close friends abhor me, and those whom I have loved have turned against me, my bone clings to my skin and to my flesh, and I have escaped by the skin of my teeth." In these verses Job shows the intense loneliness he suffers. His friends and family have forsaken and forgotten him. He is alone and isolated. His household servants treat him as a stranger. They ignore his orders and requests, refusing to come when he calls. His wife is offended by him. She's offended by his breath and won't even come near him. Children despise him. They recoil from him, despising and mocking him. His friends turn against him. This speaks of betrayal, which is one of the deepest pains a person can suffer. His bone clings to his skin. Was Job dehydrated? Was he gaunt? This speaks of a greatly emaciated condition. And Job says, I'm hanging on by the skin of my teeth. Is there any skin on your teeth? Maybe if you haven't brushed them for a while. But Job knows there's only a breath between him and death. Have pity on me. Have pity on me. Oh, you my friends, for the hand of God has struck me. Why do you persecute me as God does, and are not satisfied with my flesh? Job begs for sympathy from his friends, but finds none. It's true that misery loves sympathy. If only Job's friends would show him pity and mercy, but they continue to fire their arrows at him, saying that he is suffering justly for his sins." Even if Job had deserved a rebuke, he can't understand why his friends won't be satisfied with the fact that his flesh is destroyed and he is barely hanging on to life. Job was at the very bottom of the pit. You can't get any lower than this. Job went lower in the pit of suffering and misery than any other human has ever gone, save Jesus. But when you really hit bottom... Then there is nowhere else to go but up. Sometimes it is only when a person hits bottom that he is willing to look up. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. That they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and lead forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another, how my heart yearns within me. If you should say, how shall we persecute him, since the root of the matter is found in me, be afraid of the sword for yourselves, for wrath brings the punishment of the sword, that you may know there is a judgment." Job knows that he will die at any moment. He also knows that his friends will feel justified when he does die. They will think Job has died because of his great sins that he was unwilling to confess. But Job knows the truth. He longs for his words to be etched in stone where they can forever stand as a testimony of his innocence. Little did Job know that this would actually happen. His words may not be written in stone, but they are written in the canon of Holy Scripture, and the fact that we are recalling them today proves that Job's wishes were answered. Now, Job relates his epic statement of faith. This is Job's climax of triumph. It is from the pit of utter despair that he rises to take hold of faith beyond his circumstances, beyond his accusing friends, and even beyond life itself. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I shall see God. By faith, Job knows that in the end, after he has died, there will come the day when God comes to his defense. God will be to him a kinsman-redeemer, a close relative who vindicates him and delivers him from all his accusers. In his flesh, Job will see God. His faith reaches beyond his present darkness, beyond the grave, even to the time of a future resurrection, to when he will be able to see God in the flesh. Now, How can Job make such a statement? How can he know that God will be his Redeemer in the form of God the Son, the kinsman Redeemer, who delivers us from the accusations of sin and Satan? No doubt, this is the greatest mystery of all. We can only say that it was a bright ray of divine insight. It's like when Peter declared before the other apostles that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God, and Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. This represents the pinnacle of Job's faith and the triumph over everything Satan threw at him and his friends heaped upon him, Job still believes in God to ultimately be his Redeemer, even though for now it seems that God considers Job his enemy. Job can't explain it all, but he can look ahead to the future and know that he has a friend in heaven who will ultimately redeem him. And Job then warns his three friends, "'Be afraid of the sword for yourselves, "'for wrath brings the punishment of the sword.'" that you may know there is a judgment. In effect, Job says, if this sort of judgment has come upon me, then it can come upon you too, so be careful what you say. It's like what Jesus said in Matthew 7, judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. It's so easy for us to look upon the plight of those who suffer, from our easy chairs, and make snap judgments. But we must remember that God sees all and rewards to each person according to what He has done. No one escapes the sword of God's wrath and judgment, except those who take refuge in the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who saves us, not because we are worthy, but because of His grace.
1: You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow we'll see where Job's friend Zophar speaks a second time, ignoring Job's pleas for pity. Instead, he rebukes Job by parading before him the terrors against the wicked. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Job on Simply the Bible.